0: and welcome to the Unhinged History Podcast, the podcast where two friends who may or may not die in a Walmart parking lot separately read history stories from the internet and then tell each other those stories, hoping that the other one has never heard the tale we are about to share. I'm Teresa.
1: I'm Angie, and I need you to know that I hope so bad that the person I'm bringing to you is someone that will be brand new to my to your repertoire of people to bring up at the dinner table.
0: Same. Oh, I'm so excited. Same. Um. Yeah. Same. <laughs> and one of my supporting characters has no mentions on Google other than one obscure reference in a travel blog. And I went...
1: I, I'm like... Okay, when you said that, I was earlier in, in text form, I was like,
0: but okay, but <laughs> Yeah, the the obscurity of Please some spill of the is is insane. But you sound like you have a delightful romp. Mine doesn't end in Teresa. Um I I get that your dopamine store bought, but the rest of us had natural <laughs> stores that have been fully exhausted.
1: I, mine is, um, just more of a unhinged, prompt. yes, yes, okay. I brought you unhinged, so you pick which one of us goes first.
0: You're going first then, because that oh, is the okay. literal name of the podcast.
1: <laughs> well then, are you ready for me, because <laughs> I'm ready to go. Um, are you okay. ready for this? Mm, mm. <laughs> that was me pretending to be the drums, in case our listeners at home are.
0: That's, that's fine, I'll I'll edit worried. that. All out because that was I don't know what that was.
1: Thank God. <laughs> Appreciate you. So my sources, they're super random. I'm just gonna be honest with you and say that the few like really um tangible quality sources I got were in regards to like museum paintings of this individual. Um, which is hilarious because
0: we're referencing paintings. Well, I'm but,
1: but like, absolutely not at all, which is funny because why is that where the information comes from? But oh, like, anyway, you'll, you'll, when I get into the story, you'll be like, oh, okay, okay that kind of makes sense. But so, one of my um, sources is called NoonObservation.com, which is like a historical blog that puts together all kinds of, um, individuals throughout history and, and then at the very end of the blog they give you like a DD rating like vitality handsomeness roguishness type which i thought was really fun um historicmysteries.com thenapoleonguide.com and historycollection.com and i'm just going to tell you the title of this one is called these respected figures were also some of the weirdest people in history <laughs> wait, wait, that's the name? That's the name of that article.
0: Oh, this is going to be a weird one.
1: Oh, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's something. And, and I'll tell you that this idea is brought to you by my husband who was, I don't know what, actually, to be honest, I couldn't tell you what he was Googling that day, but this was what he sent to me. And he said, wait till you get to this individual. And I think I behoffed from the kitchen and he audibly heard me on the other side of the house so there's that
0: you know I adore that he gives you story ideas because mine doesn't mine deals with my story ideas
1: I think that's why he does it because he knows he's gonna have to deal with it so it might as well be
0: something that he was involved in (laughs) he's like you know what I actually want to learn more about this topic and I don't want to do the research Angie sick him I got an
1: idea come here so I am going to try really hard. There's a couple of names in here that I'm going to try super, super hard to be respectful and not butcher. But please, dear listener, um, lend me your grace. Gebhard Ludwig von Blücher was born. December 1742 in the Duchy of Milkenberg, Milkenberg, which is 130 miles roughly northwest of Berlin. Now, he's the eighth son of a retired infantry captain. So I'm not sure what. uh, Wait, what time time period are we playing with first? He was born in 1742. Okay. So yeah, keep that in mind. I'm not sure what type of job prospects are available for the eighth son um at this point but he is he is from an affluent well-to-do family so i don't think there's any like real need for him
0: to do anything specific right i mean you say that but i'm assuming this isn't solid law so you're gonna get the firstborn inheriting the lot
1: that's my understanding of this time frame and this area so i think you're correct but that being said they they often mention that he was from a well-to-do family but in complete um what's the word I'm looking for? Uh complete opposite of that, that's not the word I'm looking for, but it's the word I'm running with. He is considered uh among the less literate people of his peer class. So I'm unclear if maybe he just didn't bother to learn the schooling that was given him or had other things to do, or just was not educated well like perhaps his oldest brother would have been. But that's neither here nor there. At okay. one point in his youth, his father sends him to the Swedish island of Rugen, where he is supposed to learn the skills of estate management. However, around this time, a Swedish army passes through on its way to attack Prussia. The then 15-year-old Bluchar does what any young man was wont to do and says, "Ya, yeah, no, peace, out and enlists in the Swedish army on the spot. Yeah. Because that's what you do, you know? Um, Opportunity knocked. And he went running. He joins the Swedish army as a cavalryman and takes part in at least three campaigns against Prussia's Frederick the Great.
0: Your potato king.
1: Mm-hmm. My potato king.
0: Now, have you had a conversation with your son and just said you're not allowed to join the Swedish army? <laughs>
1: Not yet, but don't worry, it's... It's, it's, it's coming? It's coming, okay. yeah. But I would like to point out at this moment, it's so strange to me, and I don't know why this exists, but or why it's strange to me, but the ability to to join an army from a different country than the country you were born in.
0: I don't think that in the 1700s they really were checking your paper well, so much. You know what I and,
1: mean? And, like the way that i was thinking about specifically this time frame like the map is very different than it is today right no no what do you what do you mean seven like in seven, the seven in the mid 1700s right like the, the map of europe is very different than how oh, it looks i heard today math
0: the map, map was different i was like no one plus one has always <laughs> still been... two <laughs> yeah
1: yeah no map map
0: okay but yeah, like
1: no, that makes sense I've also met men today that, like, we had a very dear friend who was English but joined the Australian Armed Forces. And actually, I say that, I actually know two people like that that have done that. So it's interesting to me that you can do that. Um, and especially if you've already served time in one unit and then you you get to transfer to a different one. I'm, I'm like, I'm super intrigued by that. I know none of the rules. So all that yeah, to that's say, that's weird,
0: because if you work at a Starbucks in North America, you can't transfer to Tokyo. Like it's it's a thing, right? Like... Right. And I know I just compared the military <laughs> to my service in Starbucks.
1: Here we are. I mean, same time schedule, 4 a.m. Got to be up. Right. And You're going to um...
0: get screamed at by people.
1: Yeah, it checks. So. So note, notice that I said he did take part in at least three campaigns against my favorite potato king Frederick the Great. And keep in mind keep in the back of your noggin that Frederick the Great is the ruler of Prussia, right? So yeah. you're going to okay. So Bluchar was at that point after the third campaign he was captured <laughs> by the Prussian Death Heads Hussars. Um and they are led Death by Death Head Hussars. Yes. Death Head Hussars. Okay. So I just want to make sure to that
0: we, we highlight that baller of a band name.
1: <laughs> and you should actually, I should have included a picture. Their uniforms are wild. I absolutely love them. But I did not include a picture, and now I regret that. I should have. I apologize.
0: No, it's fine, because I'm going to pull up the one thing that you regret, because that is what I want to do.
1: <laughs> there you go. So this unit is led by Colonel Wilhelm von Belling, and he persuades the young Luchar to, in fact, switch his allegiances and join him,
0: to which he does. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I mean... Look, I'm not even Swedish, and here I am. I know, right? Like, it
1: sounds great. It's said that each night, Belling would pray the following prayer. Thou seest, dear Heavenly Father, the sad plight of thy servant Belling. Grant him soon a nice little war that he may better his condition. Amen. <laughs> so Good night, Wesley.
0: Well done. I'll most likely kill you in the morning.
1: Legitimately the exact same thought that I had. I was like, this has real Princess Bride vibes going on. And yeah, I, Dread
0: Private Roberts right there.
1: <laughs> absolutely love it. Um, So when the Seven Years' War comes to an end, at this point, um, you know, obviously he's slightly older. And he is wholly involved with the lifestyle of a, quote, gay hussar or hussar, which basically means that he's... Gay as in
0: happy, gay as in...
1: Gay as in happy. He spends his time gambling, drinking, womanizing... Playing practical jokes, and of course, our favorite of all pastimes, challenging each other to illegal duels. Because I mean, why not? what else are
0: you going to do? You're a young boy, you're young right. and dumb and. And drunk, probably,
1: you know? That's a um, prerequisite. Right. So, this next little bit is, is a little bit odd, but in 1772, Blucher falls out with Frederick the Great over-executing a Polish priest. Now, here's the thing. Most of my sources just say that it was an execution or that he had a falling out over, you know, insubordination or something like that. But um, one of the sources listed it as a mock execution, which even in 1742 was not looked upon as the polite thing to do, which obviously... So
0: Ferrari suffered a mock a mock execution.
1: So I'm a little bit like I'm not entirely sure if they actually executed the priest, if it was a mock execution, or if it was just that old adage, "boys will be boys," and they're being dumb on the warfield kind of thing. But needless to say, wait, wait. that event
0: they mocks they so young young boy. Mm -hmm. either executed a priest or pretended to correct and potato king was like absolutely not
1: you're out you're fired go home okay
0: because i was thinking frederick was like we're gonna kill this priest and this young boy idealistic was just like absolutely not
1: no, 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 no. Frederick was very upset at these actions and basically forces him into um a bit of a retirement.
0: Mm. It's even
1: said that at one point during this whole debacle, Frederick the Great says the words, He may go tell the devil himself as soon as he pleases. Like I'm quite over this young man. You're out. You can find your way to heaven or hell, whichever way you're going, but get out, get out my country. <laughs> So, you know, Belshawar does what any young, robust young man would do, and he starts farming.
0: Yeah, I saw that coming. No. Didn't you? Yeah. I mean, I didn't know what, what I saw, but I, I don't know.
1: Funny enough, he is actually quite good at it, but what he is not quite good at is writing letters. And over the next little while of time, he spends his spare time writing extremely long, and very grammatically wrong letters to the king demanding reinstatement, <laughs> which I think is hilarious, of which Frederick never did. However, the year after Frederick the Great died, Bluchar was allowed to rejoin his regiment.
0: I was about to say, like, why doesn't he just go back to the Swedish army? I mean, right, we've heard this,
1: these stories before. We're like, uh, I'm just going to go back to the other side. Goodbye. Okay, like, the redondables... <laughs> Santa Anna. <laughs> like, I gotta go play the other side. See you later. But needless to say, he's able to rejoin his regiment and he fights with massive distinction in the French Revolutionary Wars, gaining him a reputation for his bravery and the epithet marshal forwards. Um, meaning he's just going straight into it. He has no like, there are no fearful thoughts in his mind. He is going right into battle. It is what it is. Like, yeah. that's what I'm here for, right? Um, yeah, but this guy is wild. So, after a disastrous battle in 1806, he was the last Prussian general to surrender and only did so quote on the condition that he be stated in his surrender that he surrendered due to the lack of ammunition not because he lost
0: (laughs) damn
1: right i this man is just wild now at this point i do wish to say that i by no means wish to offend anyone and i do take mental health very seriously and this fellow was obviously dealing with some very serious, unfortunate problems that were probably not addressed at all in the time. Um, Most likely, some version of PTSD starts to appear. Um, So, that being said, please know that my chuckles are in good humor and not to be
0: disrespectful
1: in any way, but what he does with the rest of his life is absolutely wild.
0: I'm going to state something right now. I'm going to say... I believe you and I use humor to diffuse our trauma and our trauma-informed experiences that we've had, and so we tend to joke about things that are dark and awful. Maybe I'm darker than you. Slightly morbid. I mean, Here we are. I can't apply the word slightly to mine. I have kind of a harlequin kind of... Delightfully macabre. <laughs> delightfully macabre there you go if i'm uh, my humor is so dark that if you see me laughing in public <laughs> and i just shake my head no please don't make me say it out loud you don't want to know we will either both be going to hell over what i'm laughing at or you will need to go spend an hour watching cat videos to cleanse and purge your mind of what i have just told you Ah, terere, terere. Okay, but anyhow, so, um, <laughs> things about to get dark, and we might giggle out of uncomfort, out of trying to defuse, any number of
1: reasons, but please allow me to regale you with the total unhingedness of this fellow. First of all, he feels some type of way about the French, like it is his life's goal to end the French, <laughs> that there, nothing would make him happier. So, at this point, he is he must quite... have
0: really known Terrare.
1: I think it's possible at this point, he's pretty disgusted by the peace terms that are agreed at Tilsit, which, um, if you're curious, because I was un un uninformed about this treaty. So I did a quick Google search in World Historia History Encyclopedia, excuse me. World History Encyclopedia tells me that these are the terms of the treaty. A formal alliance between the French and the Russian empires, Russia's recognition of the Confederation of the Rhine under French protection, and Danzig, which was previously part of Prussia, was to become a free state. This, all of these things thoroughly enrage bouchard and he becomes very depressed. It's said he would sit motionless for hours at a time, clutching his chairs. And then on certain days, he believed his servants who were obviously in his mind, French spies, or at least paid by the French. He would think that they had actually heated his floor too hot for him to stand on and he would refuse to walk on it. And if he had to, he would do so by hopping rapidly from toe to toe, like the floor is lava. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, these are things. Another incident that occurred during this time um he literally woke his entire household up with sounds of a vicious struggle happening in his bedroom when the servants rushed in um they discovered him fighting with himself in thin air oh the general claimed that it his life it was in he excuse me the general claimed that he was in a life and death struggle with the vindictive ghost of a dead officer with whom bletcher had dismissed from the prussian army Oof. So that moment alone tells me he is dealing with some serious, quote unquote, ghosts. For lack yeah, of yeah, he's he's right? got some
0: demons that he's fighting up against.
1: Yeah, he he definitely is. Um, <clears throat> do you have your needle point down? Because I feel like you're just going to want to have your needle point down for this next. Oh,
0: geez. Bit. Okay, go on.
1: It was also at this time that he believed he suffered his first pregnancy.
0: I might have stabbed myself with that
1: one. He wait. He believed he had been <clears throat> um, taken advantage of by a French officer and
0: was going to give birth any day to his to an elephant. Now, okay, may I, may may I say, I actually have a tie-in to that, that <laughs> comment. I am so excited. <laughs> so, my grandfather had a little pot belly. And when I was growing up, my he was also every family's got a pervert in their family. Okay. That was my grandfather, as illustrated by the story I'm about to tell you. <laughs> and my my sister, we're we're both in our teens. She comes over and she puts her hand on his tummy and rubs it, much like you would a, a pregnant woman's tummy. And she goes, Oh, Grampsy, when are you due? Oh, sweet heavens. And he looks at her and he goes, I don't know, but I know it's an elephant. And she says, well, how? what do you mean you know it's an elephant? Because well, I saw it's trunk this morning. Oh.
1: <laughs> I was really hoping that he was going to say, you know, he was going to tell you this whole backstory. But
0: but no. No, nope, nope. Yeah. Just um, a penis reference.
1: You know, whenever you can put him in there, I guess. Uh, that's how oh. you get pregnant. Yeah, that's right. I really couldn't escape that comment, could I?
0: No, you oh, you <laughs> you set that up. And I then...
1: really did. I walked right into that one. Yeah,
0: anyhow, go on.
1: Um, His subordinates did try to point out that at least he hadn't been <laughs> raped by a French elephant. But he was completely inconsolable
0: at this point. You know, that's one of those always look on the bright side of life things.
1: I mean, truly, very much, right? um at his chief of staff i'm sorry just this next line absolutely kills me his chief of staff a man by the name of Schars- Schargenhorst, wrote him on one occasion saying quote you are our leader and our hero even if you have to be carried before or behind us on a litter <laughs> On another occasion, he puts it even more uh, indelicately. I don't care. I'm assuming is where he's starting with this, but the quote is, he must lead even if he has a hundred elephants inside of him, end quote. And I just need you to know that this poor chief of staff is one of those individuals in life that does not get paid enough.
0: No, he is managing up. He He is truly, like...
1: It reminds me of a set of TikToks TikToks I watch about a young man who plays Dumbledore, um, Dumbledore's chief of staff. Mm. Like same energy, this poor guy. Um, additionally, he once asked a servant, or at least at least once, asked the servant to smash his head because with a hammer because he believed his brain and his head had turned to
0: stone. Now, could you, we've we've all had bad bosses? Right. And we we might have had bosses that we fantasized on saying hello to them with a chair. <laughs> um things like that. You know, things that yeah. would at best land you in HR's office. At best. At best. Right. Um my my boss was never this unhinged and I cannot imagine. I mean, and this is also 1700s, <laughs> so you're like look, jobs are hard to get. I got to <laughs> keep this one alive. I don't like you. Don't like him. Linda doesn't like him. Nope. HR nobody is likes over him. him. <laughs> but, um paychecks are nice. Yeah, I do not love to eat. Yeah, paychecks are nice.
1: Do not hit him with a hammer, despite him asking you. I am just saying. There is the next is a quote from one of my sources that I absolutely loved, and I had to keep it in because it made me laugh so hard. In time, Blucher managed to get his shit sufficiently together.
0: <laughs> That's the quote? Yep. Okay.
1: <laughs> to fight the war of liberation between 1813 and 1814, which would essentially end Napoleon's abdication. His love of the troops who he addressed as his children and his unquenchable desire to massacre every Frenchman he saw made him the darling of the army and in the Prussian public. He refused to let repeated defeats get him down and was vital in eventually grinding Napoleon to a halt. After this war of liberation, he takes a triumphant tour of England. He's dazzled, he's dazzling, it's the whole thing, right? Um, although he did believe he was going to go mad again and complained, quote, the French could not succeed in killing me because he did have delusions and ideas that there were French assassins out for him all of the time. Right. That's Um,
0: super rough.
1: Right. Which I think is part of what definitely led him to some of the madness and the, the antics of his, his life. Right. Yeah. Um. So his quote is: "The French could not succeed in killing me, but the Regent and the English are in a fair way doing it," (laughs) 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 which I thought was, you know, really funny. Um, In eighteen fifteen, just when he thinks he can retire and go home, perhaps maybe knit a sweater, take farming back up again, uh, Napoleon basically scraps his plans, and Lachar climbs back onto the horse for one last last campaign. He insists on leading at the front of the army, which results in his, his horse, a fine stallion that was given to him by the pre to be shot. Excuse me. A fine stallion that was given to him by the Prince Regent was shot from underneath him. At this point, he is only saved by his aide who stood over him until Prussian soldiers could lift the horse off of him.
0: Oh.
1: Yeah. And then... They accidentally lose him among the wounded. I'm unclear of how that happens, but here we are. The rest of this battle was fought by a, another Prussian field marshal by the name of Ginsinu. And I feel like I'm pronouncing that very wrong, but there is no amount of videos I could watch or, or phonetic spelling I could get to make me say that right. I think it's Ginsinu. And though defeated, managed to pull back. They all pull back in a recently, like a reasonably good order. But now he's faced with a difficult choice. Does he take his battled, battered army north to support Wellington like the Wellington?
0: Mm.
1: Or does he go east in hopes to protect the supply line? However, who doesn't trust Wellington, who he, I guess, thought was kind of a bit of an ass. <laughs> So he just makes up his mind and goes east. However, Bill Shar turns up alive and in a farmhouse, smelling of brandy, gin, garlic, and rhubarb. <laughs> Which some a doctor... naturopath
0: got a hold of him and well, was,
1: yeah, a, a doctor insisted on rubbing into his bruises. <laughs> the doctor refused him the brandy for internal use, but had permitted him a whole lot of champagne. He I like his doctor.
0: I need to. I need to give my naturopath a call and be like, "Look, I'm. Look, you do a great job. I'm just saying, there's not enough brandy involved.
1: I'm just saying, you know, I or champagne, whiskey. You could give me a. (laughs) There's a (laughs) precedent. Do
0: to me here. Yeah. Like, look, I'm. You're gonna give me some garlic tabs. I'm gonna get some probiotics, and um, it's gonna cost three hundred bucks. Brandy as well. Just write it in the chart. It's part of the bill, right? Yeah, like you're not paying for it. What do you care? <laughs> exactly. You're testing my liver every three months anyhow. We throw it you're, on there. You know what's gonna you know what it's gonna say. <laughs> yeah. um, he I
1: I believe in this time is at least joyous of his um he sounds like he's having a good a good time at this point. Um lucky for Wellington, Blushar refuses to consider going east. Claiming a thirst for bloody vengeance, had completely taken him over.
0: So and... he, Christopher, walked in this and said, "I got a fever, and it can only be solved with more cowbell." Or in this case, it can only be solved with more blood, French blood, French specifically. Blood.
1: Yeah. Um, he is the f- he brings the first Prussian units to the Battle of Waterloo at about four thirty p.m just in time to save Wellington's army from imminent collapse. <laughs> okay, are you ready for this? <laughs> the next day, Louchard was found, by his brother-in-law, no less, wearing Napoleon's hat and sword, bellowing, How do you like me? He then, this sounds
0: like a joyous, rompous country song.
1: Doesn't it? He then proceeds to chase the French back towards Paris, determined to have
0: Napoleon's head.
1: You know, he's already got
0: his hat and sword. I don't know how he he missed the head.
1: (laughs) You know, probably all the brandy, if if we're
0: being honest, right? Oh, yeah. Boy, I I forgot about that. Good callback.
1: (laughs) I mean, I'm just guessing. He, at this point, has at least two horses shot out from under him in the process of chasing the French back to Paris.
0: Is he learning to jump off of them as they're going down? I, I mean, honestly, that's the visual I have.
1: When the hostilities end, he, however, Luchar, suffers another total break. Um, he goes blindish. He takes the gambling like he. So it says going blind again. Like I think during his psychotic moments, it was like he, I believe he's now suffering from some early stages of dementia and senility, and he it he quotes it like his eyes aren't working is okay.
0: how i'm understanding it if, does that make sense it does it does because like i know when you have like there have been reports of like the cambodians who dealt with the kim rouge when they came over you know as wave of immigrants there was a uh, group of women who were losing their eyesight completely healthy nothing and when like optometrists were looking at their eyes they couldn't find anything wrong but it was right. psychological and just all of the trauma that they had seen they just it their brains were like it's not safe to use these organs so they just shut them down
1: i i would have to say that given what he is i mean if if you think of his career at this point in his life at this point um he's pushing the 70s right Okay. And he has a, a massive long career of serving in some of the most gnarly European theaters at the time.
0: Yeah. Waterloo. So, yeah.
1: Right. And he is like the front runner infantryman goes flying in. he does not wait at the back like the other generals. You know what I mean? Zero so chill. He, he, absolutely no chill. So I feel like for him it is very much a mental condition and not an actual physical condition excuse me physical condition but you know the
0: physicians at the time are not going to come back and tell us today (laughs) yeah i mean it's like look we gave him some cocaine and um he felt great about it yeah i mean we said if you feel better on the battlefield maybe go fight your your chief of staff And this poor guy, I'm
1: imagining, is all of, like, five, six, super skinny, wears glasses, has to keep pushing him up his nose,
0: you know? And it's like, he does
1: not get paid for
0: this. We're trying to get us all to the one thing. Okay, look, I'm trying to get your household organized.
1: Yes, that's what I'm... Please sit down. Nope, nope. Those are the wrong (laughs) boots for this endeavor. That's how I'm seeing this going. Um... His whole life, so I guess so too, he's in his 70s at this point. His whole life, he remains that, he lives that Hissar lifestyle of being just that brave, super impetuous, um, womanizing, gambling, drinking, practical joking, fighting duels type individual. um,
0: Very Cassius Clay.
1: Very Cassius Clay. I would love to have met them at the same time in the same room. It makes me think they would have either absolutely been best friends or Cassius Clay would have shot him before he had a chance.
0: (laughs) And meanwhile, this guy's like, look, Cassius ain't French. I like him. It
1: works for me. (laughs) His single-minded determination to kill Frenchmen and his inability to really see when he's been beaten – were vital to his army they used him as like that he was what you followed into battle you know all those like rousing um speeches we see in movies that are just like epic like braveheart speech things like that like these men followed him because of his battlefield abilities Not because of what he was off the field or his ability to read or write or be a great tactician. They just followed his bravery. Like, he was their darling and that is what it
0: is.
1: (laughs) Unfortunately, though, he does go into retirement in October of 1850. He's attending a bad shoulder wound from a fall during a horse race. And he sadly dies three years later in 1819. Here's my favorite part. I looked up so many places to find out what he died of because I wanted it to be like, you know, he went out in a a, a drunken brawl in in a bar against twenty seven guys, three three you know three times younger than
0: him, type thing.
1: Yeah, he was stealing um,
0: statues of Napoleon. You know, <laughs> yeah, he
1: might be the reason that Napoleon's <laughs> went missing. You know, we right. don't know. Right. I just, I really you wanted can say to say penis.
0: Be... I said penis earlier.
1: <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. So you guys, listeners at home, Napoleon's penis was not still attached to Napoleon's body. Just in it, case was you're wondering, it was are wandering. It was stolen. stolen. <laughs>
0: um however and it could be it could be given. Like I think it's it's still in play. Like it could be inherited. I think you're right, actually, now that you say that.
1: The only um <clears throat> reason for death that I was even remotely close to getting was that he simply just died of boredom. <laughs> Retirement did not look good on him. He had no more wars left to fight, no more Frenchmen to kill, and was thus bored. mean, had it not been for him bringing the men when he did, Wellington would have lost Waterloo, and the world would be very different today than it was, or than it is. And I just think that's... That um, is
0: incredible.
1: Yeah, I've got some images, some really great um, character art. If you'd like to see them, they're pretty fabulous. Yeah. I to get my share screen up. Uh, here we go. Click. There we go.
0: <laughs> so this one All right. Feeds- she is showing <laughs> me a dude who is um his leg, he's standing up, he's got both hands spread out. In one hand, he's got a club, in the other hand, he has a handful of sticks, twigs. Uh, yeah, it's like st- yeah, like meat, I was sp- thinking I was thinking but see because okay um he's also got his legs spread wide and draped over his knee I'm assuming is Napoleon with no pants yep. on
1: yeah and
0: he is taking that handful of, of sticks I say sticks because it looks like Napoleon's getting his ass beat um yeah and he's got this kind of wild crazy eye as he's beaten Napoleon Napoleon screaming and there's battle going on in the background yeah
1: <laughs> And if you read the little caption, oh, Bluchère beating the course on Big Drum.
0: <laughs> okay. I think
1: literally hilarious, um, but not to be outdone by this one, which I think is equally charming. You have um, Wellington on the right with the hat, and Blucher on the left in the blue, and they're putting Napoleon in a trash
0: bin. <laughs> and that's a very modern looking <laughs> trash can. I know. I thought the same thing.
1: I don't know when this one was done, but it's done in the same style of the era. So I'm just going to assume trash cans have always looked like we imagined them to look. Um, but I'm not entirely sure on the date for this one. It also could have been a much later, um, you know, creation because Wellington is, you know, the British hero of heroes, right? Like, but needless to say. It, the more I read about him, the more questions I have. The more side quests I want to go on, and it was so hard to just nail down like to the stay events. Focused. Oh my gosh, it was so hard, and I kept like calling Ian. Did you know? Did you know? I had to look
0: this up. Did you know? And he was like, "Oh heavens, what have I done?" <laughs> you know, it could have been something really boring. I mean,
1: it could have been completely not unhinged. And then it wouldn't have been fun at all, right?
0: Yeah, it could have been just the history of Louboutin shoes. Which is
1: probably fascinating. And thanks now I know what one of my next stories is going to be.
0: Ha. You're welcome.
1: <laughs> you just won't see it coming.
0: You're right, because I won't be expecting it. <laughs> I'll wait like six months. That's cool. So you want to hear my story? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to tell you the story of Erasmus of Lewick.
1: I'm sorry. Say that all one more time.
0: Mm-hmm. Erasmus? Correct. Of, of Lueg? Lueg.
1: Oh, okay. Okay.
0: Yeah. But I mean, trust me, It, it they're not American names. Um, I'm dipping all the way back to the 15th century. My sources started. Um, part of this comes from... When you go down with your first COVID outbreak and you just kind of start putting on documentaries on Prime that you haven't seen before and then you just let them play and you come in and out of consciousness on the couch.
1: Oh, you know what I did the last time I had COVID? I don't even know the the Alaskan Bushman show where they're not Bushmen, but they the homesteaders.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I know that show
1: we watched like 36 hours of the exact same episode <laughs> cuz it the same episode to, I, it felt like it like every time i'd wake up it'd be the same episode again
0: <laughs> okay all right i mean look i've been there um but my sources started with this whole thing and it's wild castles on prime it's a documentary about okay. wild or about castles um there's a travel blog called perceptivetravel.com. The Legend of Pajama Castle by Jennifer Walker. Hypeaway.com has Pajama Castle Inside the Slovenian Cave of Thrones by Ivan Kralv. Okay, so now that I got my sources out of the way, 15th century, there's a knight named Erasmus of Lewick. Um He's also called Erasmus Pajamski, and this is in the Pajamski region of Slovene. Okay. Okay. Um, Erasmus is the son of the imperial governor of Trieste, Nikolaus Luger. Um, and history, we get two different tellings of Erasmus's story. The Slovene version paints him as a Robin Hood figure who opposes the tax system of Duke Ivan Wolfsnout by stealing from rich and providing to the poor people. Now, I'd love to tell you more about that, but... When you Google the tax system of Duke Ivan of Wolfsnout, you get zero results. So when you reduce it to just Duke Ivan of Wolfsnout, you get nothing except for this the one source that, that talks about this. And so I really wanted—I wanted to know more than anything about this tax system. Yeah. But it's a tax system from the 15th century. Right. Likely written in a language that I do not know.
1: Just saying a language we don't speak.
0: So right. that is what I'm up against. But that is that is what I've been fixating on, like coming up with different ways of wording it. Okay. To try to to try to figure out more. Um, the other storyline about Erasmus puts him at the center of a conflict between Austria and Hungary. So his best friend is this dude named Andre Baumkircher from Vipava. And their best friends. He's a knight who changed sides and left the Habsburg monarchy, joining the Hungarian King Matthias. <laughs> I'm
1: sorry, I'm laughing at two things now. The Habsburgs, you would leave that chin, and secondly, we're switching sides in this story too.
0: Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. No, this is this is the season of the turncoat. <laughs> okay. So, anyhow, so he leaves. To join the Australian or the Australian boy, this this switched the <laughs> Austrian king. Um and the Austrian Emperor Frederick III, Holy Roman Emperor, is a little pissed, and he gets Andreas killed, which obviously affects Erasmus. You know, his best friend's dead, so this is this is a sad time for him. Um, and so at a reception in Vienna, he ends up defending the honor of his dead best friend
1: dearly departed dead best friend
0: yeah and he defends him his honor and the only way he pretty much knows in the way of the time by killing one of the emperor's relatives as you do yeah so he kills this dude named marshal poppenheim and then he ends up fleeing to pajama castle which ends up being the strategic outpost for the hungarian cavalry that is advancing west okay okay Uh, Um, both sir stories in seeing Erasmus besieged in the castle and testing his castle's impregnability. So let's talk about Pajama Castle. Um, you, you, you probably have seen it. It is a castle that is built jutting out of a cave and it looks like it's built right out of the rock face. It's the world's largest cave castle. And that's listed in the Guinness book of world records. Let me get you an image of said castle.
1: Oh, yeah. Okay. I I have always written stories in my mind about this castle.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And once I figured out the name of this castle, and again, was coming in and out of consciousness, um, I was able to get excited and learn more about the whole castle, the history, and the whole nine. Right. Okay. So I'm not joking when I say it. It is looks like it is just coming out of the rock face because of the caves. Um, because ar- it is coming it, out of the yeah, rock literal, face. Literally. <laughs> Archaeological finds but uh, in the cavern behind Perjama Castle testify to the fact that this cave was inhabited by humans as early as the Stone Age.
1: Oh, wow. Okay.
0: Um, there's been remains from Roman times that are found at the cave entrance to the section of the cave called the stables, whereas the Cape of Names, both signatures dating back to the 16th century. Okay. So there's lots of history here. In this cave, there's a variety of animals that currently live there, and my favorite is the Ulm. The Ulm is a blind cave-dwelling salamander. Yes. Okay. It reaches... Ethan
1: lives to show me them on the regular because he knows how much I don't like snakes, and he's like, Mom, it looks like a blind snake. You should
0: check it out. But like, see, it's that? it's not, it has legs. It's not a snake. That's what I tell them every time. Like, it's got legs. It's not a snake. Right. <laughs> so the Ulm, which is adorable, it looks similar to an oxolotl. Without the...
1: It but has course, those things, though. I th- okay, so the ones I've seen don't have those things. Well... I said stupid. this to our listeners who can't see me make my hand gestures. Yeah, she, Okay. <laughs>
0: So see, like they're smaller, okay, they're not, yeah. they're not as defined as the big gills that have, but it has them. They look like, it looks like a flower crown. Yeah. Yeah. They're adorable. Okay. So did you know that they reach sexual maturity at 16 and they live to be over a hundred years old? No, I didn't. Now you do. Um, Great. National Geographic. Thanks, Jeopardy. <laughs> I, here, I'm good. Look, I'm I'm bringing facts, especially when I can say, here's a quote from National Geographic about the Ulm. I know, right? That's my
1: favorite. I love quoting National Geographic.
0: <laughs> the Ulm was once described as a baby dragon on account of its small snake-like body. It's fully aquatic, swimming in a serpentine wriggle, while foraging for insects snails and crabs it can't see its prey for as it grows up its eyes stop developing and eventually are covered by layers of skin it's essentially blind although its hidden eyes and even parts of its skin can still detect the presence of light now okay in in the wild castles program they show a deceased axolotl um, washing down the stream from the pajama cave and they say that it's these an creatures or
1: an axolotl
0: sorry an ohm i okay yeah thank you i thought
1: for a second i thought they were, they were no, both no, no, there no. and i had
0: questions <laughs> i did too uh but it's it's the ohm and it shows the ohm washing out and it said that the ohm's presence in the cave is why the locals thought that pajama cave was home to dragons since clearly this deceased ohm is its baby
1: Okay yeah that checks. I, yeah, I buy like, it. Yeah.
0: That it, it you know what? It, it does look like the baby dragon. I'm I'm with you there. Now, the castle because of the cave has fresh water. And so in the middle of the in the Middle Ages, Pajama Castle's cave is where people used to park their horses. And so now that place is home to a colony of bats. So visitors who want to see the castle have to go um, in any of the seasons but winter because they want to keep that place safe for the bats and they don't want a bunch of us tourists going and poking the fuzzy bellies of sleeping bats and harassing the things. them. Right, being, right. being us. Being humans. Yeah, you know, yeah, humans. Okay. Why, why why cannot pet if not pet-shaped?
1: Bears. I think about
0: this often. If I can't pet that, why has he got ears like that?
1: Yeah. My I'm not going to fight trait- you on it. My toxic trait is believing I can pet that. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not with you. I'm not, I'm not against you there. Okay, so all of this. Let's go back to you know where we've left Erasmus. It's the castle because he's just killed the emperor's nephew or (laughs) relative or whatever. So things aren't looking too hot for him, right? Um, the the castle's accommodations they're pretty Spartan, but Erasmus. He's not picky. He likes breathing. So he just posts up at this castle. As you do. And so the emperor then sends the current governor of Trieste, Gaspar Ravbar.
1: That name's made up.
0: (laughs) You know, it was really a roll of dice. Like I took a bunch of Al or a bunch of uh, just syllables and rolled the dice. That's what we're rolling with. Yeah, Um, I like it. And so Ravbar, he starts to lay a siege to perjama castle and for erasmus he's like look this castle's impregnable it's just like the only way that they're going to get us out is to try to to lay siege and starve us out um Ratbar thought this was going to be a quick deal the siege lasted for over a year
1: oh okay
0: now the castle is embedded in the rock and it's connected to passages inside the caves, allowing Erasmus to get goods and people in and out while standing under siege.
1: Genius. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, so it's almost like the cave, it's almost like the castle in Helm's Deep.
0: Yeah, but I imagine more caves.
1: I imagine more caves also, but very similar in idea Mm -hmm.
0: anyway. So not only like, so yeah, I think similar to Helm's Deep, but also like, helms deep with fresh supply of running water.
1: Yeah, I'm here for it.
0: So the castle is cold and drafty. It's not the coziest, but it's perfect for a siege. (laughs) And so the emperor begins to get impatient and, you know, basically Rathbar, he's really got to act soon. And in the Wild Castles documentary, they talk about how Erasmus knew of the series of tunnels that the castle's built in and on and how he's able to sneak through the castle caves and go on raids against the governor's men
1: (laughs) i love this (laughs) yeah
0: which could be where we get the robin hood tales right um another source talks about how there's a vertical tunnel in one of the caves where villagers were able to lower food to erasmus (laughs) so it is it is the yeah he's he's not he's not hurting um Erasmus ends up laughing at the enemy's attempts to starve him off. To show off, he would bomb them with fresh cherries from the Vipava Valley that it's famous for. Um, on some occasions he allegedly targeted his confused foes by um catapulting roasted ox, pig, and fish to them. <laughs>
1: It smells of Herbe de Provence.
0: <laughs> yeah, like he's he's just being a menace. I'm here for it. So I love all of this, but like all things, some things must end. And it's after bribing a servant at Prajama that Rathbar discovers a weak spot in the seemingly impenetrable fortifications. While no. most of the castle is impossible to attack, there's one small area that's gonna crumble under cannon cannon fire. The toilet.
1: Oh, not what I saw coming.
0: What did what did you think? Where did you think I was going?
1: It was just gonna be like this little hole in the wall, like
0: Yeah, you hit like this a one few, place few and
1: bricks. Yeah, that's what I was
0: the library goes out. No. <gasps> no. I know. I was I I, I hitch in the books. Um <laughs>
1: It's gonna be my new favorite phrase. Oh, I gin the books.
0: <laughs> yep. So the bathroom of the castle ends up being along the outer wall that faces the valley, and the emperor's men are camped below it. Um, and a so the servant, according to local legend, agreed to leave a candle in the window, signaling when Erasmus had to take the children to the pool. And that made him the perfect cannon fodder. So he ends up suffering a very unfortunate death and he meets his maker while he's on the john.
1: Oh, very Tywin Lannister. Yeah. Um. I do have a question because it seems up to this point that like he was the the friend of the villagers and the servants and the locals. What yep. caused this particular servant to turncoat?
0: Um, Well, because it was hundreds and hundreds of years ago, I legit don't know when oh, I can't reasonable. even find any substantiating corroborating evidence and I can't learn about a tax system that I am want to do I cannot learn about the motives of some obscure servant who's not whose name is lost to history
1: yeah I guess that's fair I'm gonna let you have that one
0: okay thank you I mean because I tried <laughs> I tried I did everything but learn the native language <laughs> now okay so that's story number one just like we've got a couple of stories about his life we get a couple of stories about his death my favorite is that he died on the toilet. Um, the, There's a second bit that says that he he may have met a more dignified end, that he was betrayed by one of his men and shot by Cannon in his personal room. So think bedroom. Either way, he died at the young age of 34.
1: Mm, at the which seems, betrayal also.
0: Yeah. You know, I mean, and he had, like, I'm like, this dude had you know, was, was in after my own heart, you know, was willing yeah. to like sneak out, do his things, come back, keep up the charade, like catapult roasted ox to the people attacking him. Like I'm all for that. That is the level of lawful, petty, petty. petty. I'll go yeah. with petty. I was going to go with chaotic, good law. I'm here for that too. You know, I mean, it's the chaos. same thing, <laughs> you know, like I'm, I'm fine with either of those. Um, So with all of that, the year-long attack not only made or ended with the death of Erasmus Luger, but it also left some serious damage to to the penetrable castle, quote-unquote. The emperor ends up giving it to the family called the Oberbergs, and they ends up then going to the Perkstall family, who immediately start reconstruction. Okay. However, their efforts are in vain when a massive earthquake hits Pajama in 1511 and practically levels the castle again that'll happen which sucks Mm -hmm. so 1567 the castle pajama is leased to the kobenzel family and they reconstructed it in the renaissance style in 1570 and it that's pretty much what we see today but in days erasmus's evacuation route that also served as the entrance points for sneaky thieves that ends up getting bricked over and and that point, that's the area that connected the castle to the neighboring villages. So that's how Erasmus was getting out, getting food, and making friends with with neighbors and influencing friends and enemies. Um, and then the Cobenzl family was pajamas owner until eighteen ten. And I found that like kind of interesting. Like I guess I'm looking for a way to own a castle, yeah. which Same. I didn't know. Like either want a very tiny manageable house or a castle. Yeah. Like, with a library. Yeah, like I either want barely enough room for my favorite books or every book written by man.
1: Yeah. I either want to be a hermit in my forest cottage or I want the castle.
0: Can I have a hermitage at the castle? Yes. Okay. Um, So the castle's got a little bit more history. Um, In the 17th century... In the 17th century, the Austrian aristocracy starts moving into the castle, and their first heir to move in is a bro named Count Michael Koronini von Kronberg.
1: Oh, that's a name.
0: Mm-hmm. That's more than a couple of dice that I had to roll to get that one out. And <laughs> in 1846, Prince Alfred von Windischgratz took over and used it as the fort as a hunting lodge. I I mean, what a humble hunting lodge. Yeah. Their size
1: started out as a hunting lodge.
0: That is hard for me to imagine.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was much smaller than what we know today, but, or you know, what even.
0: Well, yeah, yeah, that checks. Yeah. Um. So after the Second World War, the Federalist. The Socialist Federal Republic of Yugoslavia is founded. The state authorities, they confiscate the building and now nationalize the castles turned into a museum. And today is owned by the Republic of Slovenia. And nobody lives in it. You can do tours. Oh, I can't live in it. You cannot live in it. But I have an image of a recreation of what they imagine Erasmus looks like. And I will share that image with you.
1: He better look like D'Artagnan. Oh, okay. I'll take. I you. mean, I he's got some work.
0: strong vibes. Go yeah, ahead and describe really to the to the peeps what you're seeing.
1: Um, he definitely has some leather chaps on. <laughs> he's got to go pounds. with pants.
0: Chaps makes I always think chaps are assless, and I think that's a personal bias.
1: <laughs> you wear them over pants. Okay, or, this is my first mistake. Not. You know, what is it a mistake? You wear it how you want. I'm not telling you how to do it.
0: You're right. <laughs> you know. <laughs>
1: He's got really um a great jaw with some great facial hair, definitely well built. Um he's got the really debonair gray streak on the side of his head and he For 34,
0: is... that's pretty advanced to have the gray streak. I had a gray streak at 13. Okay, but your whole head of hair is brilliant white and silver. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Okay, yeah. And he's holding
1: uh it's a broadsword in his like it's he's holding it between his legs like uh he might have been eating dinner but he doesn't trust
0: his anybody around him to not let him eat in peace so he's going to he hold that sword such a just in kind case. face you see that that is the face you see you, you when you look at your friends clearly in love dancing and you're like you guys
1: yeah it really is and the dog loves him you can tell he's got two hounds at his feet and they're, One they're dog very is comfortable like, and happy
0: you got some cheese yeah, cheese.
1: I, I like snack. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I bet you he pets that dog all the time. Oh, you know what in the in the do you see the um the axes, the battle axes behind him? Yep. That's hilarious. I just noticed that. I love this painting. I love that that's what they assume he looked like.
0: I'm down for it.
1: Yeah. Way better than
0: Tywin Lannister.
1: Sorry, Charles Dance.
0: <laughs> but that is the story of Erasmus of Lug. Thank you. Bro who got blown up by cannon on the toilet.
1: I mean, but not after, you know, not before he chucked cherries at his villains.
0: I mean, flinging a roasted ox. That is next level. And that's like,
1: that's implying so many things. But most of all, like, you fools, I was able to get this in. So if I'm chucking this at you, that means my men are eating well, too.
0: Yeah, like, I have enough for the class
1: hmm I'm sharing with the class next door. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine being on the receiving end of that and be like, oh ox, I'm
0: so hungry. <laughs> yeah, you're just like, why couldn't the ox come closer to my division? My unit's hungry. We got chickens. Erasmus <laughs> over here. Hit us with a t-shirt cannon. <laughs> We're all so mad. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love that. How fun. We had some some unhinged fellows this evening. We did. Yeah. I mean, like most people whose friends are dearly departed do not enact revenge by killing their
0: relative. <laughs> I mean. But it we sounded were... like he didn't even go with that on my he was just he was just deep in his feels and he's like, you know what? I'm already at this party and deep in my feels. I don't give a damn who you are.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I think that you're right. He felt some type of way about them. <laughs> mm-hmm. Much that my fellow felt about the French. Here we are.
0: We keep just building this whole cadre of, of people who would have been the most unhinged had they all been in a room together with a bunch of knives. I, I'm here for it. I cannot wait for
1: it to be a movie. Or a 300 episode of something
0: yeah i mean please and thank you it's like that mtv show
1: um celebrity deathmatch
0: oh i miss oh. that
1: me too but with historical figures <laughs> yeah. yeah oh him and julie Dobney in the same room
0: that would be hilarious they would he would probably just end up giving the girl a high five and a sandwich
1: oh yeah i'll make the sandwich for you ma'am
0: yeah like i'm not <laughs> even gonna tell you to go get it for me <laughs> i got this <laughs> So if you like historical unhinged peeps of history who may or may not fling entire roasted animals at their enemies, um, rate, review, subscribe, share with your mother's, father's dog walkers, housekeeper. Pool attendant.
1: Oh, yeah, yours is better.
0: Dude, having a pool attendant, that does sound a bit more austere.
1: I have a pool attendant and a gardener.
0: You call him husband.
1: I do. (laughs) But he likes to point that out every year when he's watering my plants. I'm the gardener, he
0: says. Mm.
1: (laughs) Yeah, thank you for that. And on that
0: note, (laughs) goodbye. Bye. Bye.